Hello, Lake Church. How are we tonight? Good. Okay. I know you haven't seen me up here before. It's probably new. I'm Jaden. It's nice to meet you all. Um, so I'm going to get into the announcements. We got some important announcements, okay? So, Young at Heart. If you've been to Young at Heart, it's an amazing event. Um, this is for seniors 55 and older, and it's every second Thursday of every month. Sorry, I said that weird. But every second Thursday of every month, okay? And um, the second one is Overcomers. Hallelujah. That's been a blessing to many people's lives, I've heard. But um, this Overcomers program is our faith-based 12-step study. Um, it's 22 weeks, 1 to 12 steps every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Um, it's our hope and our prayer and our mission to disciple those who are willing to overcome by faith. Hallelujah. All right, number three is LC Classic. That's this Thursday. You have tonight to register. If you don't register, you're not going. Sorry about you. Um, so tonight is the deadline. Um, so get signed up. Hallelujah. In order to get those teams paired. Um, it's $65. That includes the green fee. I think that's the course, isn't it? I, I've never played golf, but... I think that's the that's the course, um, the cart rental, and then they're having a really yummy lunch afterward. Uh, I got a sneak peek of it. <laughs> You're not going to want to miss it. <laughs> All right, and number, I think this is number four, Arise. <laughs> Woo! That starts this Sunday, and you are not going to want to miss it. We have a great lineup of ministers. Um, it's just going to be an awesome, powerful time. So it starts this Sunday. Um, we also have morning um, services from 10 to 12 in the afternoon. Um, Bob Biandian is going to be ministering. It's going to be an awesome time, powerful time. And we invite all of you that serve in the body of Christ to come and join us for that awesome meeting. All right, and I got one more. So, ladies community Thanksgiving dinner. That is Tuesday, November 7th. Um, at First Baptist Church, and you can get signed up to bring uh, food items at the guest services in the comments. So, that is all the announcements, and I am going to do offering now. Um, there are many ways to give to Lake Church um, on the Lake Church app, on the QR codes. If you just stick your camera up to it and scan it, it takes you right to the giving page. It's very convenient. I use it a lot. There's also QR codes around the church that you can scan and it takes you to the website or it takes you to the giving link. Um, but there's many areas to give and to sow into Lake Church, that being the children's ministry, the youth ministry, um, the janitorial ministry, any ministry that we have, you are more than welcome to sow into any time in just know, and I'm going to encourage you, that when you give, you are advancing the kingdom of God. You are giving and sowing your money, your own money, 
into the kingdom of God. And so I'm going to pray us out, and then Pastor Kevin's going to come up here. The bucket is in the back. I just learned that today because I did not know that. But the bucket is in the back. If you want to just drop it in after you leave, feel free to do that. Thank you, Lord God, for this night for this opportunity to sow sow into your ministry, into your kingdom, Lord. Lord God, I pray that you just enlighten our hearts, Lord, that you bring revelation and knowledge in this word brought forth today by Pastor Kevin. Holy Spirit, come alive in us. Hallelujah. Bring the word into our hearts. Let it be heart knowledge, not just head knowledge tonight. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. In your name we pray. Amen. Good evening, Lake Church. Wow, I am loud, huh? Sounded like a 747 going over the building there for a minute. (laughs) All right, well, it's good to be here tonight. Good to see everyone. We're going to start a brand new uh, series of of studies tonight on the book of Galatians. So I I wasn't sure if I was going to be up here this soon. I thought that Ephesians might go right on into 2024. But, you know, <laughs> here we are. You just got to be ready in, in, in season and out of season, right? <laughs> okay, well, um, yeah, so I'm excited about this. This is one of my, I mean, I, I think I say that every time. This is one of the books, is one of my favorite books to study um, because it deals with one of the things that I think is, I'm going to try and make a case for this, but I believe it's probably the greatest pitfall that causes believers not to walk in victory. This issue that Paul deals with, it was the greatest opposition to the advancement of the gospel, and still is, and is, I believe, the root cause for believers to not walk in victory not experience healing, not experience deliverance. And I'll just let the cat out of the bag, off the bat, but it is the issue of legalism. And being from the Bible Belt, you know, all people are indoctrinated with legalism to some degree because the whole world system is based on the principles of legalism. But in the Bible Belt, we have been indoctrinated on such a level that we have a hard time relating to God by grace. We're so used to performing. Uh, we're so used to performance-based relationship with God. And it, we really have a hard time of breaking out of that. Anybody can understand, listen to me, even an unbeliever can understand you get what you deserve. But it takes a revelation of the Holy Spirit to cause you to embrace the fact that you get what you don't deserve. And that's what grace is. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Thank God for the mercy of God. Because all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And every one of us is deserving of the wrath of God and separation from God. But the mercy of God is that we don't get what we deserved. 
Jesus got what we deserved. And grace is even greater than that because it's getting what you don't deserve. And one of the biggest hindrances to receiving from God is trying to deserve and earn the gifts of God. And you don't earn gifts. You receive them. And the whole gospel is based on grace. And so the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians, what we're going to find out is um, his tone is that he is absolutely livid. Around here we might say he's fit to be tied because he heard what was going on. I mean, he uses some of the strongest language toward the church in the book of Galatians that he used in any other letter. In fact, the book of Corinthians... The Corinthians were immoral. There was all kinds of immoral stuff going on in the church at Corinth. And he didn't rebuke them to near the level that he rebuked the Galatians for legalism. So, I'm excited. If you can't tell, I didn't expect to start out that way. But (laughs) I'm a little passionate about this. Because I really believe that my life was hindered greatly because of legalism. When you feel like you have to earn and deserve a relationship with God, and you know in your heart that you can't live up or measure up, it causes people to run away from God, and to run away from church, and to run away from anything that resembles uh, Christianity, um, it causes people to run away from God. But when you understand the gospel, your life can be in any condition. Oh, let me say this. When you understand, when you hear the gospel, it doesn't matter what condition your life is in, you can run to God. Man, when I received Jesus, when I actually heard the gospel and I received Christ... I was, my life was, man, it was the farthest thing from a holy life. Let me tell you that. It was a a wreck. I mean, I had no, in fact, you know what? When I look back on it now, I'm thankful uh, that I came, that I was at the point I was at whenever I heard the gospel truly uh, for the first time because I had already lost all confidence in my ability to do anything good. And that's a big hindrance for a lot of people. They think they just need Jesus to make up the difference. Like they're really pretty good. This is what a lot of people, especially people that are raised in church. They think, oh, I'm really pretty good. And and so I'm pretty good. And Jesus just comes and he makes up the difference. When actually, when you understand the gospel, you have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. You deserve the wrath of God. You deserve eternal separation from God. A lot of people never get that before they believe. And so they're in this system of trying to earn, or let me say it like this, trying to attain righteousness in the sight of God, or trying to maintain righteousness in the sight of God. And both are wrong. In fact, this book deals with two paths. The first one is the fact that we are made right 
or we attain to righteousness by grace. The second path that Paul shows is that we maintain righteousness by grace, not by performance. And I tell you what, man, we've had a lot of help misunderstanding this stuff. Because I'm telling you, legalism has been preached from pulpits far and wide. And we have been, by well-meaning people, I'm not demeaning anybody, by well-meaning people that just have had an incomplete understanding of the gospel, have ushered people into a system of performance that causes it to be a stumbling block toward our relationship with God. Oh, man. That was, that was a lot better intro than I even thought it was going to be. <laughs> it's been a while since I've been up here, so I'm just trying to get my footing right now. <laughs> Bear with me. Okay, so we're going to look at, we're just going to start out in the first chapter. And it says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Let me go back to verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man. This, uh, this concept of from men versus from God is a major part of the first chapter. Paul is actually defending his calling as an apostle. Because... Here's the thing that happens, is when people can't, if you're disputing with someone and you're beating them with facts, you know what they do? They resort to personal attacks. (laughs) See, Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, and he received the revelation of the gospel directly from God. And so when he would dispute with people over the gospel, they couldn't take him on facts. So they resorted to personal attack. So they started saying things like, well, how's Paul an apostle? We didn't appoint him as an apostle. He says, I was not appointed an apostle from men or through any man. He was not appointed by men. He didn't get his position or place in the body of Christ through popularity. Or, or through some person putting him in that place, he recognized and he declared to them, I'm an apostle by the calling and the appointment of God Almighty and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul knew that even though he spent a large portion of his life uh, walking in legalism and persecuting the church, he knew that God had called him an apostle before the foundation of the world. He just woke up. To who God had really called him to be when he finally heard the gospel. And so he's defending his place, his his calling as an apostle. Let me drop down to verse 10 and continue on this theme a little bit. He says, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Well, I tell you what, you got to get that settled in your life. If you're going to be a man... Be seeking after the approval of men or if you're going to be seeking after the approval of God. Because I'm telling you, when you become a gospel preacher, persecution comes. You know why? Because the gospel's foolish to the world. In fact, the opposition and persecution really doesn't come from the world. Uh Uh-oh. 
You know where Paul's persecution and opposition came from? Mainly from religious people. Mm. Because the Bible says that the gospel's foolish to the world. Yeah, they say all those people are foolish. They're following after archaic, uh, ancient writings that are just mythology and fables. And they laugh at us. But religious people... When you start preaching the gospel of grace, those who have been indoctrinated with legalism uh, get offended. It's offensive. Why? Because you've just taken away their way of getting their attaboys and getting their accolades through their religious piety. And their way of propping themselves up and making themselves seem better than other people. See, legalism is rooted in the pride of man. In fact, it's just as much an ism as paganism, Hinduism, Buddhism, every other ism you can name that's a part of this world system. Legalism, the source of it is exactly the same. And I'm going to show you that the concepts that, that make legalism what it is come from the very same place. It, it works exactly the same. Every religion in the world is based on performance. It's based on the idea of an angry God and my service to Him is to appease Him to gain favor with Him. Every religion, even legalism. Mm. See, what they try to do is they try to put God in debt to them. Uh Uh-oh. That's what legalism is. If I do this, God has to do this for me. How many people have ever heard this? Well, I don't know why God hasn't healed me yet. I go to church every time the doors are open. I pay my tithes. I serve. I do this. I, 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 I. (laughs) Why? You're trying to put God in debt to you. You think that you're going to do something, present it to Him, and He's going to go, Oh my goodness, let me sprinkle a little healing on you. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It's, it's arrogance. It's arrogance and ignorance. But it's arrogant to think that I can do something and present to God that's going to cause Him to have to give something to me. If you understand the gospel correctly, you understand that by grace in Christ, God has given us everything. And our service and our sacrifice are simply responses in love to what He's done for us. Mm. So he says, I'm not trying to seek the approval of man. Or he says, am I seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. That tells me right there that you can't be a man pleaser and be a servant of Christ at the same time. Ooh. Let's look at uh, verse 11. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So Paul said, I wasn't appointed by man, but by God. He said, I'm not seeking the approval of man, but the approval of God. And the message I preach isn't a message from man, but it's a message from God. Man, you talk about putting on the gloves. He was ready to get... 
get down. He was contending for the gospel. And man, I feel like that. I really have felt like most of my Christian life, I felt like, you know, I'm called to contend for the gospel. Oh. People will fight over all kinds. They'll fight you over their politics before they'll fight you over the gospel. Come on now. People will fight for things that don't matter. But I'm going to show you in this letter, Paul says the, the, the integrity of the gospel message is the most important thing you could ever fight for in life. Why? Because you're, we are called to keep the integrity of the gospel unadulterated for the ages of the generations that are to come. Man, I'm thankful that the, that the Apostle Paul contended for the true gospel of grace. That it didn't get adulterated along the way uh, to where I couldn't eventually get the true message of the gospel of grace. Because that's what changed my life. Mm. But if you're going to be a gospel preacher, you better get ready for the persecution because it's going to come. And it's going to come from the most unlikely places. (laughs) Not the places you would think. Let's look at, uh, I'm going to go to chapter 5 and verse 11 because I'm just going to kind of lay in some foundations here. And I just want to show you uh, the purpose of per- or where persecution, what it comes for. Persecution comes because of the true message of the gospel of grace. Look at what he says here in Galatians 5.11. If I, brothers, still preach circumcision, which circumcision is going to be a big deal in the book of Galatians, because circumcision was the seal of covenant with God. It was the first right that a person would do. If you could relate it to anything, any uh, right of the church, it would be related to water baptism. You know how you believe on Jesus, you get water baptized? This is becoming a, a Jewish person. Circumcision was the entryway. It was the sign of the covenant. He said, if I still preach circumcision, so what he's saying, if I'm still preaching the law... He says, why am I still being persecuted? Think about that. Why? Because the persecution was coming from the proponents of the law. That's what you're going to find out. He says, in that case, look at that next phrase. The offense of the cross has been removed. The cross is offensive. It's offensive to people who are self-righteous. Oh, my. It's offensive to the self-righteous person because they believe they've earned something. They believe they, have, they deserve something. And you just cut the legs out from what they're standing on. Yeah. It's offensive. Look at this verse in uh, Galatians six twelve. It says, It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Man, do you know Paul could have avoided all of the persecution that he faced if he would have just mixed a little law in with his grace teaching? 
That's why he said, I'm not, am I trying to please man or am I trying to please God? It had been real easy. He could have just said, well, yeah, you need to get circumcised. Except Jesus gets circumcised and then he would have been ju- they would have been just fine. But he, he, he knew that that legalistic idea would permeate the entire belief system of people. That's what legalism does. If you say, okay, I have to perform this in order to get this, the next, the next thing is it's going to be this and this. Then it's going to be this, this, and this. Then it's going to be this, 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 and this. <laughs> mm, that's what it always is. It's never enough. It's always going to continue to be more and more and more. Why? Because... Man's pride is propped up by doing stuff. Mm. Let's go back to chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from man nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers who are with me to the churches... Of Galatia. The book of Galatians is unique in the fact that it wasn't written to a church, it was written to churches. Because Galatia was not a city, Galatia is a province. It's a region, and there were many churches within the province of Galatia, which that alone should show you just how easily legalism spreads. Because he didn't just address one church, but he had to address all of the churches in Galatia. Because it didn't just affect one congregation, they all got taken up in it. Oh man, I tell you what, legalism is so deceptive. Because it's not a departure from grace, it's a mixture of law with grace. Whoa. It's not a departure. That's why it's so deceptive. If it was a complete departure from grace, well, you'd recognize it. But what it is, is it's a mixture of law with grace. Hmm. And you know what's crazy? Is most modern Christians, they don't really struggle with legalism in the sense of, okay, I got to, you know, observe circumcision. A lot of the uh, modern church has moved away from thinking they are obligated to observe the Sabbath or the feast days. Listen, you can study those. They are meant to be studied. I love the feast days because they're prophetic. They show us things that Christ fulfilled. I love the tabernacle. It's prophetic pictures of Jesus. But those are meant to be learned from, not observed as a way of garnering favor with God. And that's the problem with it. It's not a departure, it's a mixture. But here's what's crazy in the modern church. It's not those things that that we trip up on as much. Here's the crazy thing. It's laws of our own making. Listen, it would make more sense to get legalistic about the law of Moses than it would be laws we make up. 
If the law of God couldn't save you by keeping it, how in the world is some law I'm going to make up myself going to save me? Think about it. But we make laws for ourselves. I'm going to pray this long. I'm going to read my Bible this long. And I'm going to do that in order to get God's favor in my life. Absolutely the wrong motivation. I tell you what, the gospel shows me that He has already blessed me with every blessing in the heavenly places. He's justified me in His sight eternally. He's made me the righteousness of God. He healed me. He delivered me. He made me a son of God. And it's from that place that I love Him so much that I want to serve Him and then I want to sacrifice Him. And the more of a revelation you can get out of that, the less burdensome things are because you're not doing them out of duty and out of obligation, but you're doing them out of fascination and out of love for the one who did so much for you. (sighs) Hallelujah. So he's talking to churches, the province of Galatia. And so I want to go to the book of Acts and I just want to kind of go through some verses and I've got a million of them. <laughs> it's so funny when you go to send some verses to Mark to put on the thing. It's like, I need these. Oh, no, I need those. T- oh, I need all these too. It's like, I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. So we learn about Paul's first missionary journey in Acts chapter 13 and Acts chapter 14. And um, in fact, let me just. I've got it down here. Let me put this up, show you real quick. This is a map of Paul's first missionary journey. And see Antioch in Syria? Right there to the right. That's where he started. You remember in Acts 13 where it tells that many leaders were gathered together and they were ministering to the Lord and the Holy Spirit said, Separate unto me Paul... Paul and Barnabas for the work to which I've called them. That was at Antioch in Syria. That's where they were separated unto the work of God by grace. And they left out. And you can see they went to Cyprus. And then they went up to Perga. And then on up to another Antioch. It was a real popular name. And that's Antioch in Pisidia. Then he went to Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. Those are the cities of Galatia that he traveled to. So four cities that he talks about in Acts chapter 13 and Acts chapter 14. And then you see from Derbe he went back and he followed his course backwards back to Antioch. And what we're going to find out is as he left, Jewish people came behind and began to contradict what Paul had spoken to the... Because he, he preached, people got saved, and he established churches in these cities. And let me tell you something. When he preached to them the gospel, he never gave them the law. So then other people came in, and they started going, that's wonderful that you've received Jesus, but you really need to become a Jew first... So you need to be circumcised, and then you need to begin to keep the law. So they started teaching them about feast days. and te- Come on now. And uh, when Paul hears about it, see, because by letter, 
He finds out what's going on. And listen, think about all the work that he went through and sacrifice that he made to go to these places, preach the gospel in places where it was unknown to people, start churches, establish churches, and then leave. Think about all of that. He's livid. Oh, somebody came along and actually began to tell them things that were contradictory to the gospel that he had delivered to them. And he knew how damaging legalism was. Because legalism causes you to be in condemnation. And condemnation kills. What's it kill? It kills the life of the Spirit in you. Because it gets you out of living by faith. What does the Bible say? The just shall live by faith. It gets you out of living by faith and gets you into self-effort. And when you're working in self-effort, you're not operating by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can produce a form of godliness and deny the power of it. Mm. Man, I got so many things going through my mind right now. Did you know that... I'm going to take a sidebar here just because it's coming to me. But did you know that when believers uh, leave this place and go to the judgment seat of Christ to be judged for their works on the earth? Did you realize that their works are not obvious to the eye, whether it is a good work or whether it is a dead work? In fact, the Bible says that it has to be revealed by fire of which sort it is. Because it's not the action, it's the motive behind the action that determines whether it is a good work Or whether it is a dead work. You know what dead works are? Dead works are things we do by self-effort. Out of duty and obligation to try and present it to God for Him to give us. That's a dead work. You know what a good work is? One that you do out of love for God by faith. Not trying to manipulate Him. Not trying to put Him in debt to you. Not trying to cause Him to have to give you something. Oh. There's going to be a lot of people... That are thinking they've got a lot of gold, silver, and precious stones. They're going to have a big bonfire. And you say, man, I worked hard on that. (laughs) You you know how fast dry kindling can burn up? You're like, whoa, man, I put a lot of effort into that. See, because we don't get rewarded for things we did. We're going to get rewarded for things the Holy Spirit did through our lives. Woo-wee. That's good preaching, Kevin. I don't mind saying it. <laughs> Let's look in Acts chapter 13. This is the first place in um, Antioch and Pisidia. Paul goes there. And he goes to the synagogue. That's kind of what he started out doing. In fact, God had told him, you're going to go to the Gentiles and kings and then to your brethren. But you know how we are. We like things that are familiar. So what does he do? He goes to the synagogue. Man, I tell you what, that was the wrong place. He caused himself a lot of heartache. Finally, later, he gets it figured out. and He starts doing it the way God said to do it. But he goes to Antioch City, he goes to the synagogue, and this is what he preached. 
Now, before these verses, because I can't read everything, he was telling them that God raised Jesus from the dead and that he was showing that uh, David died and was buried and his body saw corruption, but the son of David, Jesus Christ, he was buried, he died, was buried, but he was raised from the dead on the third day. So Paul is telling them this, and then at the, this is how he sums it up right here in Acts 13, 38. He says, let it be known to you. This is the exclamation point on everything that he's been telling them about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. This is the conclusion of the matter. See, the power of the gospel is not received in the meeting of conditions. It's, it's received in the coming to the right conclusions. Man, people can hear that Jesus died, was raised from the dead, and not even believe the gospel message. It's when you come to the right conclusion about Jesus coming, about Jesus dying, being buried, and being raised from the dead. This is the conclusion of the matter. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes, get this, is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Why did he say that? Because he was in the synagogue and he was talking to Jewish brethren and he was saying the law of Moses never freed you from anything. In fact, we have a couple thousand years of Israel living under the law and going through cycles of judgment because the law was never meant to be a means of salvation. It was meant to be a measure that shows us that we could never produce the righteousness of God by our own self-effort. But people still try it today. Oh, well, let me try and keep that. And it's ridiculous. It was never given for that purpose. It was the law of Moses was a mirror. Here's the thing before people were born again, we were born dead spiritually. What do I mean by that? Separated from God. See, our problem wasn't our actions, our problem was our nature. Our sins were the evidence, they were the result, they were the fruit of a sinful nature. But the nature was the problem. See, a person who's not born again, if they could stop sinning for the rest of their life and never sin again, it would never change their nature. And the law was given to show us there's something Worse wrong with you than just the actions of sin that you're committing. Those are coming from a place within you that you can't do anything about. But I'm going to send my son. And he's going to take that nature on himself. He's going to crucify it on the cross. He's going to take it into the heart of the earth. Be buried. But I'm going to raise him up to new life. So that you can be forgiven. So that you can be cleansed. So that you can receive the same spirit, the same resurrection life that was inside of him. Hallelujah. Mm. But he makes the point. Everyone who believes is freed. Now that's past tense. From everything. How much did he leave out? Nothing. <laughs> that wasn't a trick question. <laughs> it 
is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. And people are still trying to get free. Still trying to get free by the law of Moses and what's worth the laws of their own making. It'll never happen. There's only one way you get free, and that's by grace through faith. Mm. That's what Ephesians chapter 2 says. It says, we are saved by grace through faith. And that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God that no man should boast. See, that's the problem with legalism is it opens up boasting. Hmm. You want a litmus test for whether you're in legalism or not? <laughs> I must say, hang on a minute. I got to have a drink. Because <laughs> we're not supposed to be looking at other people. How's your, uh, do you boast in your religious observation? Well, I tell you what, it got quiet in here all of a sudden. <laughs> See, people get boastful in their religious observance, in their service, in their sacrifices. That's a true, that is a sign that you're operating in legalism. Because when you operate by grace through faith, you know that everything you can, that you have and everything that you are is only by a gift of the grace of God. Mm. That's why you have problems in the body of Christ. People are boastful. They're competing. They're comparing. They're trying to get a leg up. We've taken the, the uh, success of the world. We just bring it in the church. Oh, okay, I'll quit meddling there. Look at the next verse. Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come back about you. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells it to you. Wow, that's an amazing scripture right there. The work of Jesus. He's saying, I'm about to do a work in your days that you wouldn't even believe. (laughs) See, the word gospel means good news. In fact, it means almost too good to be true news. I'm telling you what, the gospel is such good news. The only reason it's not too good to be true is because it is true. But it really is almost too good to be true. That I could live my life in such depravity. In such, and just bring about just a wake of destruction through my life. Not only for me, but all the people around me. And that I could simply hear the gospel. Believe in my heart. Confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. And pass from death to life. 
and actually receive the very life, nature, spirit of God on the inside of me, forgiveness of sins, justified in the sight of God, just as if I never sinned, be declared the righteousness of God in Him. Man, that's too good to be true. Because I could have never, I could have never earned it. Here, here's the, here's the thing about, uh, people thinking they can earn it. Is did you know what it would take to earn the righteousness of God? Does anybody know? I said this in the, when I taught Romans. You know what's required? If you're going to earn it, here's what's required. Absolute perfection. That means from the moment you're born, get this. Man, a lot of people don't think about this this way. That means from the moment you're born till the day you die. You can't sin one time. That's, that's what it requires to earn the righteousness of God. But, here's the thing. If you sinned in one point, the book of James says, chapter 2, verse 10, you're guilty of the whole law. Woo! You know what that tells me? We're all disqualified. That's right. <laughs> I, I like that. That's good news to me. Because then I can just quit trying to earn it. <laughs> if I know I've already been disqualified, then I know the only way I'm qualified is if God qualifies me himself. Ah. And that's what Colossians 1 says. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He qualified us. You know what? I'm qualified. Ain't no devil in hell, no demon on earth that can tell me I'm not qualified for anything that belongs to God. Why? Because I'm not qualified based on my goodness. I'm qualified based on the death, the burial, and the resurrection of my Lord Jesus Christ. And I've become one with Him. And now what belongs to Him belongs to me. Oh, man, that's a good place to start from. See, because what happens is people get themselves in a situation where they need a miracle. Man, start trying to get a miracle. And if you've got legalism, we've got to purge it. If you've got legalistic thinking in your mind, you get into this hamster wheel. What do I got to do? What have I not done? What did I do wrong? It's a constant, uh, it's a constant evaluating of your holiness to try and convince yourself you're qualified to receive. Mm. Rather than evaluating Jesus. Oh my goodness. Think about it. Did you know that whenever uh, the tabernacle was in operation and they had to bring a sacrifice to the tabernacle? So a person who sinned and was in need of uh, atonement, they would bring a sacrifice. There were sacrifices laid out for all different kinds of sins. They would bring a sacrifice to the priest. You know what he would do? He would never one time, not one time in the thousands of years that they had this system in operation, never one time did he 
examine the person bringing the sacrifice. I said, not one time. The very uh, fact that they were bringing a sacrifice declared that they knew that they had need of forgiveness. So you know what they did? They examined the sacrifice. Oh my goodness. Because it had to be spotless and without blemish in order to bring atonement for the sin-burdened person who was bringing it. Never one time. They were already guilty. That's what I'm trying to get across. They knew they didn't have a leg to stand on. So they brought a sacrifice. And the priest would examine the sacrifice. Because if the sacrifice was good enough, then the atonement was absolute. Oh my goodness. So Paul said, I, I'm, he, said he was quoting the Old Testament. He said, God said, I'm a, I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe even if one tells it to you. And as they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. Listen to this. Get that. I'm just thinking about this right now. When he preached the gospel to them, as he was leaving, they were begging for more. (laughs) Oh my goodness, please don't leave. Come back. Be sure you come next week and tell us this again. This is such good news. I want to hear it again. (laughs) But if he would have came with the same thing that they already thought, well, here's the problem. You need to do this, and you need to do this, and this, and this, and this, and this. And if you're good enough, and if you perform, perform well enough, and if you do all these sacrifices, you observe all these free, feasts, and you observe all these sacrifices, and if you do it well enough, and you bring the right sacrifices, then... No. What? All right. Let me go back. This is what he said. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes, not everyone who behaves, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. And they said, and they said, they begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. Oh my goodness, they heard the good news and they couldn't get enough of it. I'm telling you what, the gospel of grace captivated my gaze 20 years ago and I still can't get enough. I can't get enough of it. I'm a junkie. I'm a, I'm a gospel, I'm a gospel junkie. I'm a gospel junkie. I can't get enough of it. <laughs> See, I used to be a different kind of junkie. <laughs> I used to get high, and then in the gospel, I found the most high. Man. Mm. Goodness, goodness. <laughs> 
Gospel junkie. <laughs> and look at this. So the people who just heard it, man, they were like begging for more. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who as they spoke with them, urged them to, you need to underline this in your Bible, continue in the grace of God. There is the key to successful, victorious Christian living. Continue in the grace of God. Because salvation isn't an event. It's a journey. Problem is, is people think it's an event. They have an encounter with the grace of God. And then they're saved and stuck waiting for heaven. No, salvation's a journey. But you continue in the same way that you started. But people, a lot of people... They come to God in grace, but they don't continue in grace. They change the principles that they operate by, and they try to maintain their righteousness by their performance, rather just in trusting in the promises of God. Continue. This is what they told them. Because get the picture here. Think about this. They were leaving them. They were about to leave. They were going somewhere else to do the work of the ministry. What they tell them? Continue in the grace of God. Hear that tonight. Continue in the grace of God. Continue in the grace of God. Listen, guys, the gospel of grace is opposed. Why? Because the devil knows. The kingdom of darkness knows that if he can get you out of grace and into legalism, he's got you. Because no longer are you trusting in the finished work of Jesus, but you've just begun to trust in your own self-effort and your own worth. And I'm telling you, he's got you. He's got you. So look at this. The next Sabbath... Almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowd, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul reviling. There, There you see it. The religious people were offended. And one of the main reasons why is because their popularity and their prosperity was threatened. By the crowds following after Paul. Religion is based... Let me, let me just... <laughs> religion is dependent on returning customers. <laughs> that was good. I, I just said that and I, I'm surprised by it. <laughs> But religion is dependent on returning customers. And that's why religion uses guilt, shame, and condemnation to manipulate people. My goodness. Because it's easy. It's easy. 
Listen, I could have got up here tonight. I could have started preaching some, some condemnation. And y'all would have been. <laughs> the reason religious likes, religion likes guilt, shame, and condemnation is because it can get people to do stuff fast. It's real easy. It's witchcraft. Manipulation is witchcraft. That's what it is. It's witchcraft. But see, when you turn people to the grace of God, listen, it's the more, it, it is the way to get true worship, sacrifice, and service out of people is when you get them to continue in the grace of God. Because their motives are coming from a place of liberty and love rather than law. I like to say it like this. If you work for somebody uh, and they are a mean, hard boss. I mean, they are just a taskmaster. Now I'm telling you, when they're around, you'll be working. Employees will be hard at it when they're around. But when they're not around, why? Their heart ain't in it. But if you have a boss who loves you, who shows you they love you, who you have honor and respect for, you'll work harder when they're not around when, than when they are. That's the difference, guys, in legalism and living by faith. See, the gospel is free. Discipleship's an opportunity. It's not an obligation, it's an opportunity to go on the greatest quest, the greatest journey of the ages with the God of creation. (laughs) When I think about prayer and stuff and how we have these ideas about it to where we feel like it's an obligation, I think... How in the world could we think talking to the Creator, being invited into fellowship with the God of all of the ages, being invited into the conversation of the ages between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we act like that's an obligation? You know what it tells me? We don't understand what we're doing. We have no idea. You mean I can actually talk to God who knows everything, and He'll tell me? (laughs) He'll tell me what I need to do. He'll lead and guide me. He'll give me supernatural strategies that I could never come up with on my own. Things that contradict the circumstances that you could never look at the circumstances and go, Oh, I need to do that. No, He'll give you supernatural strategies that if you implement them, you'll get the results every time. Mm. Man, think about it. I think about Jacob. When him and Laban, Laban was, you know, uh, cheating him. And God gave him a supernatural strategy. He said, talk to Laban. Tell him, I'll, I'll take care of your, your flocks. And he said, uh, all of the ones that are streaked and spotted, I'll take those. And the thing about it was, is there weren't any streaked and spotted in Laban's flock. 
And the ones that were, were the weaklings. And Laban thought, that's a great deal. And God told Jacob, he said, just whenever the strong ones come to drink at the watering trough, because that's when they would mate, he said, take sticks and peel the bark off of them, stick them in front of the troughs, and as they conceive, they will give birth to streaked and spotted animals. Why? Jacob was in covenant with God. And God gave him a supernatural strategy. To succeed, to be victorious, to prosper. And think about that. That's what God wants to do in our lives. My goodness, to be able to talk to Him and Him give us supernatural strategies for how to to navigate life. Why? That's the whole point. That's the way we were created to live. That's why Romans 8 says, those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. See, we're not the sons of God by by being led by the Spirit of God. We're seen to be. We're proved to be the sons of God when we live by being led by the Spirit of God. Why? Because we have supernatural results in our life that can't be explained by natural means. And people go, those people are the sons of God because they're doing stuff nobody could do on their own. Man. And the reason that we don't fellowship with God to the level that we could is because we're legalistic. And we've made an obligation out of the greatest opportunity that's ever been presented in the history of eternity to be able to have fellowship with the Creator. Mm. As a free gift. You got a few more minutes? (laughs) I'm one minute over. (laughs) Let me drop down some verses here. And uh, in uh, Acts chapter 14, he goes to Iconium. And uh, he begins to preach there. And unbelieving Jews came and stirred up the Gentiles, poisoned their minds against the brothers. And then they go to Lystra. And um, check out this verse. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. So the two cities they had already been in. And having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city. This translation says, supposing he was dead, I believe he was actually dead. And I believe when you read in the other translations, you see Paul was stoned because it says, and he was left for dead. They knew he was dead. Listen, they stoned a lot of people. They left him as dead. But then the Lord raised him up and he went right back in the city and began preaching again. But my point was that the Jews, out of offense, the offense of the cross, they followed him to these other cities, and they began to um, they began to uh, persecute him. And when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby, 
which was the last place. And after that, I showed you on the map that he went back all the way back to Antioch in Syria, which is where he then heard and got news of what was going on in the churches that he had left and instructed to continue in the grace of God. And Acts chapter 15 gives us the information about what happened. It says in Acts 15 and 1, whoops. Some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So they ended up having a council, a meeting in Jerusalem about it. So they brought all the big guys together. They had James, Jesus' brother, who was the pastor at Jerusalem. They had Peter. They had all of these apostles come together so they could discuss this and get it figured out. Because a great dissension arose between Paul and these people. I mean, it was a big, it was a big issue. So they got all together and they began to talk about this. And in, um, let me find it here. So that first one, it said you have to be circumcised to be saved. That's talking about entering into relationship with God. But look here in verse 5. Some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. See, there it is. I'm not going to go any further with it tonight. That's what I was telling you earlier. You bring one law in, you're going to have two. You bring a third law in, then you're going to have to get four. And I'll just leave you with this. It says in Galatians 6 that those who want you to be circumcised, this is what Paul was saying to the Galatians, those who want you to keep the law, he said they don't even keep it. He said, those who want you to be circumcised and keep the law, they don't keep the law. You know what he meant by that? Here's the the thing. It wasn't that they weren't keeping parts of the law. But keeping the law isn't keeping parts of it. It's keeping all of it all the time. I'm going to say that again. Because here's what people do, man. Here's what people do. They have their own pet doctrines. They pick out what they want to observe. And then they condemn other people who are not keeping stuff they're keeping. You know why? Because they're burdened down by what they're doing. And they're mad, they're mad that somebody else ain't doing what they're doing. <laughs> oh, Lord, help me get out of this. I know these people are wanting to go and have some fried eggs and sausage or something, but <laughs> that's what we used to eat after church when I was a kid. <laughs> that's what Joel eats after church. <laughs> Here's the thing. Keeping the law isn't keeping the parts you want to keep. If you're going to be made right, if you're going to be right with God by your performance, then you've got to be perfect. I have an alternative. 
Don't trust in your keeping of the law. Don't trust in your performance. Trust in the perfect performance of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died an innocent but substitutionary sacrificial death for you, was buried, took your sin into the heart of the earth, and rose again victorious over sin, over Satan, over death, over the kingdom of darkness, and all offers you the free gift of forgiveness, justification, and righteousness, healing, deliverance, and all the benefits of the kingdom of heaven on earth. There's an alternative. Man, I tell you, it's way better. And if you'll continue in the grace of God, God will take you places and do things through your life that you never would have dreamed that He would do. Hmm. Man. There is too much of a flow in here, man. <laughs> it's like a, that. I'm a junkie, man. You want to stay on it? <laughs> it's good. It's good. <laughs> Gospel junkie. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Well, come on. Let's stand. Let's give the Lord praise. Thank you, Father God for your goodness. I thank you, Father God. Oh, hallelujah. We thank you for the truth of the gospel message, Father God. Oh, that everyone who believes has received the forgiveness of sins and is freed from everything from which we could not be freed by the law of Moses. That we could not be freed from by our performance. That we could not be freed from by our earning it. That we could not be freed from by our deserving it, Father God. Oh, that we simply trust in, rely upon the, the, the promise that Jesus has performed for us. A perfect work. <laughs> A work that we couldn't even believe that you would do for us, Father God. Hallelujah. I thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. We give you glory and we give you praise. Oh, I thank you, Lord. I just sense right now that there are there is changes in people's bodies right now. Man, I just see I just see in my heart like the inside of a human body, and I see uh, abnormal cells just becoming healthy and invigorated by the life of God. Because of the word that is spoken. Oh, for the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. And I believe right now, the Lord, by the Spirit of the Lord, there are people who are embracing the fullness of that message right now. And there is a change in the physical aspects of their body right now. And they are going to, they are going to discover that they're healed. They're going to discover that they've been delivered from things. Oh my goodness. And all of the glory will go to the Father. And will go to Jesus Christ. Who gave Himself for our sins. That He might deliver us from this present evil age that we live in. Oh, deliver us. Oh, hallelujah. 
Oh, that He has delivered us. Oh, here's the thing. He has delivered us. The gospel awakens us to the reality that He has delivered us from this present evil age. Oh, not in the future. Not in the sweet by and by. Not when you cross over Jordan. But right here, right now, in the midst, God has set a table for us in the presence of our enemies. He is not delivering us from the presence of this evil age, but from the power of this evil age. In the midst of it. Why? So He can show Oh my goodness. So he can show the world that he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ask or even imagine according to the power that is at work in us. Oh, I'm telling you. I'm I'm telling you right now. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Check yourself. Check yourself. Check yourself. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I I sense by the Spirit of the Lord, people have been healed and they haven't even realized it yet. People people have been healed and they haven't even realized it yet. They're going to discover it. They're going to discover it. They're going to go, no man laid hands on me. What happened? Oh, the glory of God. The power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The seed of the Word of God was implanted in my heart and it brought forth the fruit of divine life. It brought forth the fruit of the life of God and health, hallelujah. Health, hallelujah. Mm, Thank you, Jesus. Things people have been struggling with. Oh, here, you've been struggling with something The reason you're not overcoming is you're struggling with it in the strength, let me say it like this, the weakness of your flesh. But the Holy Spirit is right there on the inside of you. The very Spirit of God, the same Spirit that hovered above the waters in creation, and that when God said, let there be light, there was light. Take the Word of God. That same Spirit dwells on the inside of the believer and He's hovering over your need right now. And as you speak forth the Word of God, you release the building blocks for the thing that you're needing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Mm, Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 
Listen, if there's anybody here tonight, we're going to close because we got kids. We got kids workers over there watching kids. We're going to let people go and get them. But if you're here tonight, you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. I've been preaching the gospel. The Bible says if you believe that God raised him from the dead. You know why we, we believe the resurrection to be saved? Because the resurrection is the proof. It's the validation that the death of Jesus and the burial of Jesus accomplished the forgiveness of sins. If it didn't, he'd still be in the grave. (laughs) So listen, it's a matter of believing when you believe that God raised him from the dead, it, it, it proves that he is the Lord of all. He said, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be buried. But on the third day, I'm rising again. <laughs> and it proves he is Lord. And that confession is a recognition of who he is. But it says that when you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. It goes on, it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you've never done that tonight, we want to invite you. We're going to have ministers up here who would love to pray with you. Um, If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, yep, we're that church. So if somebody brought you here and you didn't realize that... If you've never received that before, it's the second work of grace that empowers you for service. You can come and get that. If you want somebody to agree with you for deliverance or healing or anything that you have need of, we want to invite you to come. And we urge you not to just go, wow, that was a good message and just leave. But to act. It's those who are the doers of the word. Not just hearers, but those who act on what they hear, who experience salvation. So, God bless you. Thanks for letting me yell at you tonight. (laughs) Don't leave without prayer. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.